It's Let's Make a Better Podcast episode I Don't Remember. I haven't been keeping track. I'm Chris. I'm Bob. And uh, welcome back to the Mark Alewine Music. Don't take the bait. I almost hit the post there, but I'm out of practice from my old radio days. Mark Alewine, is it markalewine.com? Am I Mark pronouncing Alewine that? Markalewinemusic.com. M-A-R-K-A-L-E-W-I-N-E.com. No, music.com. Markalewinemusic.com. One more time, Big Daddy. You can do it. One good clean cut. Here we go. M-A-R-K-A-L-E-W-I-N-E. Music, M-U-S-I-C, dot com. All right. And you hit the post. Thank you very much. Mark Alewine, music.com. Mark, thanks very much again for providing us with such great theme music for what is, in fact, a very substandard podcast. What a great night. Uh, the weather has returned to be something that's decent. Uh, the world has gone crazy. We had the election yesterday as we're recording this, and uh, things are still crazy. Um, last time I looked, when I looked at the news. Yes, things are nuts. Um, there, there was a protest last night in Minneapolis. Uh, they said three dozen people, which isn't big by any means, but what were they protesting? We have no results yet, and still there was a protest. They're uh, protesting tonight, uh, I looked, and there's three and four different uh, groups uh, all carrying signs that are protesting lots of things, uh, and they're all convening and protesting downtown. And uh, you know, this is going to be the theme of, of tonight's uh, podcast, too, as we start talking about media and, and probably news in particular, news media in particular, because as I was reading through all of these posts on Twitter to find out what was going on downtown, uh, none of them told me why they were protesting, because I, like you, am wondering, well, what are we mad about? As um, uh, far as I can tell, we don't know anything at this point. Well, do you even have to be mad anymore? I mean, you can just protest for the sake of protesting. I'm bored. I'm going to protest. I, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I got to believe that there are people that are there that, that have within their heart an honest grievance that they're trying to bring out and they want to just, regardless of whether or not, you know, today went their way or didn't go their way, whichever they're protesting, they're going to make sure that they, they keep their message out into this spotlight. But you know, there's a part of me that also thinks this is a good opportunity now to just go out and cause a bunch of trouble, which is what we've seen all summer. Well, I, I agree. I think that people do want to go out and cause trouble. And it is it a result of being locked down since March. I mean, we have these lockdowns, can't go anywhere. If you do go somewhere, only half the people are allowed in the place that you used to be able to have in there. You have to have your mask. You're feeling very locked down. Uh, so what do you do? You, you explode in rage. I don't even know what I'm mad about, but I'm going to go protest. Well, and uh, the bitter irony of all of that, of course, is that from from our perspective, the only groups that have been allowed to be out and congregate and sort of do that and in, in be virtuous in doing it has been the people protesting, right? Everybody else who hasn't been protesting has been locked down, um, but the protest groups have been out and, and about. But I don't know, maybe that's... Maybe that's for another day. Hey, you know what? Speaking of protesting and, and being angry and making your voice heard, the listeners can do that with us. Make it make it better notes, M-A-K-E-I, to see if I can do this better than you did with, with Forum <laughs> website. Make it better notes at gmail.com, M-A-K-E-I-T-B-E-T-T-E-R-N-O-T-E-S at gmail.com. We also have a recently minted Twitter handle, and that Twitter handle is, I think, was it make it bet two? Is that what I read that the Twitter handle was? I think yeah, not not a good name by any means, but it's let's make it bet, B-E-T-T, 
and then the number two. You are a marketing genius. You are a marketing genius, sir. Am I? Because apparently there's another, let's make it bet, B-E-T-T, out there already. So we're number two. Well, as you know, we we covered in our very first episode that um, this is not the only or first Make It Better podcast that existed. And maybe the only Let's Make It Better. Uh, I'm sure it probably exists also. Many have in my view, failed, in your view, quit, which was, as we recall, uh, two different views of, of that situation. But um, I suppose if, if you're out looking and you're, you're searching for let's make it better and you find something that isn't, say it again, let's make it bet two. Let's make a bet, B-E-T-T, two, number two. You're going to think we're a betting uh, podcast or website or community. Let's yeah, make I- a bet. That's what yeah, it sounds like. Me, hey, can anyone show me a book of matches in their purse? They'll win the prize behind the door if they show me a book of matches in their purse right now. Oh, I, that's, I, yeah, that's, that's let's make a deal. But that's a deal. But that's great. You've shown everyone that you're about to collect Social Security. I think uh, based on you remembering, let's let's make a deal. Although that was on the Game Show Network the other night on one of the antenna channels. I have to admit, uh, and wow, is that hard to watch? <laughs> but yet you did watch. Uh, for a few minutes, just for the nostalgia of, of the whole thing I watched for a little bit. But you know what? Here's the thing. You don't, in, in Twitter world, you don't really need to know what our at is. You know, follow us. You can add us. You can retweet us if we ever tweet. Uh, also, you'll have a link uh, on our Anchor FM uh, podcast host site, and that will be linked in every podcast aggregator, whatever you're using to listen to this podcast. In the description, those links should be there, and you can get to all of our social content. And again, hit us up at makeitbetternotes at gmail.com. You drop us a line, drop us some feedback, or use your voice memo on your phone, drop us a little bit of audio. And you might even hear your voice here with a complaint uh, or a little encouragement, which goodness knows I could use some encouragement. So we wanted to talk about news media tonight. And, uh, you know, I I brought up that point about the, uh, and it was good you brought up the protesters because it was a way to bring up the fact that I read through all of those different posts about what was happening, but none of them actually told me why I, I couldn't, they were, I guess I should be encouraged. They were giving me facts. People were protesting, but I didn't know, I didn't know why. And I thought that the, this, the, the important part was exactly where you concluded. Well, why are they there? And it, it makes me wonder why, why is that? <laughs> why are we, why are we inundated with all, all, all forms of media and, and journalism and, and avenues to accept it and hear it? Uh, but the obvious question isn't being asked and the obvious answer not given, right? Yeah, and I think, you know, we, we lived in a time where um, the, the quote, the buzz was, if it bleeds, it leads. That, that was the news. So if, there, if it was bloody, it was in the headlines of the news. But now it seems like there's been this shift to, let's make people live in fear of everything, Um so I, I think that by covering these protests where we have no idea why they're protesting, nothing, nothing's happened yet, yet these protests are occurring. I think the idea is just, oh, be scared because there are people out in the street shooting fireworks off. It's just one more way to try to get us to, to stay indoors, glued to the TV to see what's going to happen next. Like, oh, is this the next big thing? Is this when it happens? It's not. It, all this, this fear is media driven. You know, you're right, because it is uh, constantly screaming to have you go run, hide, run, hide, panic, uh, and don't ask why, just go run, hide, and panic. And, you know, I have some theories on that myself, and I think, 
you can take this all the way to the pandemic as to why people necessarily don't all necessarily take the pandemic seriously, because I think they've been fooled once, they've been fooled twice uh, by a media that's told them to run and panic. And they've recognized that these things kind of tend to run a lot of times in cycles. This has been an awful long cycle if this is one of them, but generally speaking, two, three, four week cycles, and then we're off to the next thing to be panicked about. And I get, you know, that this, that you're very, very, very true. It's, run and panic at all times and don't worry about why we'll come up with a better reason next week for right now just keep you running keep you panicked and by the way keep you buying from our sponsors who are selling you stuff to help you with your panic and to help you with whatever you're whatever you're running from or running towards or need while running think think of the last time that you you weren't running so you go before this pandemic and, and i'm not i'm not downplaying the pandemic it's very real there are people that are sick there are people absolutely that are dying yep. but the level that the media makes it sound like we should have dead people in the ditches piling up. We don't see that. So whatever the media is selling you, it's too much. It's above and beyond. Yeah. It's but always amped up before, Yep. Yep. You go back before this pandemic and you had uh, Ebola. Everyone was afraid of Ebola. And one guy came over on an airplane. A doctor came, came I'd even, from, I'd even forgotten, but you're right. I'd forgotten all about that already. Yep. Guy came back on an airplane and, and everybody thought, oh, we're all going to get Ebola now because this one person came back on an airplane. And before that, there was, there was ISIS or maybe there was ISIS in between there. I don't know, but you know, ISIS is going to come get you. And then there was H1N1. But go back just a little bit further. We're at, we're at war with Iraq. Um, we're at war with whatever terrorist organization happens to be out there. And the whole fear, what, what the media is feeding, you is chemical warfare and that's going to end up on on u.s soil and what do they tell you to do get plastic and duct tape and cover the windows in your basement and make sure you have water so now you go to the store you can't find any bottled water anywhere why because the media told you to be scared you know this came up with uh, you know uh the president's downplaying of the pandemic early on him him admitting that he downplayed it in in public forums and you know the comment was made that you know he he didn't want people to panic and immediately the media and the people who don't like the president jumped on the idea that well what what do you mean we're not going to panic we want information we want we want transparency we want information well the the media had enough panic Right. They were creating enough panic for for, you know, for every every member of Congress could have come out and screamed panic. It would not have created as much panic as the media was already creating 24 hours a day in the cycle, as evidenced by the fact that you couldn't buy toilet paper. You couldn't buy hand sanitizer. And yes, I know we were controlling the supply to a certain degree, but the, the, the run on toilet paper and people buying pallets of toilet paper, um, I think the media sees that and they understand that that's that's a that's a key on their on their on their uh, on their uh, on their organ that they can press to make us scream and make us run or at least a, a large part of the of the population and some people are very much turned off by that which is why you see the people who diminish things like a pandemic now because they say why would i believe you why would i succumb to 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 your incented panic Absolutely. What are we actually supposed to be afraid of now? Because you've made me panic so much in the past. I really don't know if you're serious this time. So could you throw up some sort of red flag or something just to say, hey, this one's real? The story goes back hundreds of years. The boy who cried wolf, uh, you know, same thing, kept crying wolf, crying wolf. And all of a sudden when there actually was a wolf, 
Nobody cared. Do you remember the uh, the story for the 2016 election? The uh, the the that was dominating the news about what we were going to do, and it was the thing that was driving all the way up to the 2016 election. It was it was on every talker that you would watch. That was the caravans. Do you remember the caravans? The the large, you know, thousands of immigrants that were marching up from South America that were going to crush and cross the border and and press into the United States. Yeah, Where what is, happened? Did they go what, home? What happened to that? Exactly. And, <laughs> you know, how many people have you talked to in the last two months that, you know, scoffed off the idea of wearing a mask or scoffed off the idea of even, uh, you know, not assembling and, and uh, social distancing because they said, hey, this is going to be gone November 4th. Right. Just like, you know, there was always the joke that depending on who was the president, we either had a homeless problem or we didn't. Uh, and that that is sort of what happens, depending on who's in office and the, the 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 tenor of the news and the agendas. Things are a problem or things aren't, uh, and it's it's sad. Yeah, you look back at 2016, you go back to tw- 2008, go back to the year 2000. You no, know, the year 2000, we were all concerned because gas prices were four dollars. Do you remember that they were approaching three and four dollars? Uh, that was a huge. That was the huge. Uh, story. Of course, in 2001, everything changed. But, you know, the the things that they've had us terrified of uh, over the years are, are so manipulative. Um, it's hard for us to have any trust in the information that we're given. Case in point, a uh, lot of discussion. Of course, at this time, we still don't know who's the president. But, and let's, let's try not to get into all that. But, <laughs> but the biggest challenge that I have is, we've been being fed a whole bunch of information about what's going to happen. Right. And, you know, polls have been wrong. You know, I was a kid of the eighties. The polls were all wrong in the eighties too. Right. They all had Reagan losing, all had Reagan behind Carter. They had Reagan behind Dukakis and Reagan, of course, you know, beat both handedly. Um, But we're seeing that they're, they're completely wrong. And the information they're putting out as news, as information is baseless. It's being proven uh, you know, six, seven, eight percentage points wrong in the wrong direction. Uh, I don't, I don't think we're getting any value from these news organizations. I don't think, I, I'm not sure that they should be called news organizations any longer. They are, there's something different. They're not, they're almost entertainment. Um, but I don't think they're that either. They're, they're, I don't know, what's the word for it. They're almost like, uh, um, uh, something people well. watch for 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 like sadomasochistical reasons, just to make <laughs> themselves angry. Well, it, it's no longer news. I, you know, Dan Rather used to sit down and read from a script and say, "This is the news. Go develop your own opinions." Now we have this propaganda machine. That's all it is now is propaganda. I don't know who's driving it or why they're driving it, but they're. It, we don't have a news channel anymore. We have we have propaganda that leans one way or another. I think it started with Fox News. It probably goes back further than that, but that's where I'm going to start. Fox News started leaning right. You know, fair and balanced, but right. Um, And then CNN all of a sudden went way left. Um, So Fox, I think, went further right. Uh, So now you've got these two news channels, networks, media streams. You have to look at both of them to figure out what's in the middle. Um, right, and, and that's that's what we lack is is something that is balanced. It, it just it doesn't exist anymore. I don't know where to find it. And everyone, even NPR, has now gone in a direction. It's like why, why, why must you do that? Why can't someone just report the news the way it is and let me 
develop my own opinion. Don't tell me what I should think. Give me the facts and then I will go think on my own. Yeah, Fox went right, CNN went left, and I don't, I don't know how far left you have to go to plot MSNBC on a graph. I mean, that is so far, they are so far to the left, they, are, they don't even make any uh, apologies or, or pretend. But, you know, you're, I, one thing I do want to be careful of, though, is, you know, Fox did start with the fair and balanced. Well, that was in reaction to something, right? There was already this idea that there was bias uh, in the press. And I will say this about CNN and about Fox and, and probably more so than CNN about MSNBC. They don't pretend, right? It, it, they, they will come right out and tell you, you know, we're biased in this direction, we're biased in that direction. Maybe Fox is a bit perhaps um, mischievous in that and that they say that they're fair and balanced, but we, we all know they're right-leaning. MSNBC is obviously left-leaning. Uh, I'm bothered by the CBS's and the ABC's and the NBC's that obviously have an agenda depending on the show you're watching, but yet they portend to be virtuous. Uh, I'll give you an example that isn't political. Uh, we've liked the uh, CBS Sunday Morning, which used to be Charles Kuralt years ago, and then it became, I think, uh, is it, is it uh, I forgot, I'm going to lose his first name, Osgood was his name, he's gone, and now... Um, uh, it's a woman who hosts it today. Oh, I should have looked it up, but the thought just came to me when you mentioned it. But I, I like the show, except I no longer trust it as news. Um, num first of all, every commercial is a commercial for a drug company. Uh, so every single commercial is, you know, do you have these symptoms? Ask your doctor. Uh, and you start to see that bleed into the news stories. And then the other news stories that you start to see, you realize that they're doing an expose on this new documentary or new book. And you realize when you read the fine print as they're describing it, oh, that's produced by Viacom, who owns CBS, or that's a show that's going to be on CBS. It's not news. It is tailored infomercial content, some cases paid by the sponsor, or at least influenced, it would seem. Uh, but they pretend that it's honest. And that to me is, is far worse than the MSNBCs and the Foxes, who at least you kind of go into it knowing that this is something that you're feeding your own red meat or you're eating the own red meat that they're giving you uh, versus what these virtuous sites are attempting to pres prescribe as something that's pure that I don't think is so pure. Absolutely agree. Um, there, there's something behind it. There's something driving. I mean, they're, they're, they're pandering to the dollars, exactly what you said. You see these prescription drug commercials. That's where the money's coming in. How does that, that uh, you know, make sure you make people scared so we can sell our drug. Um, I, I didn't know what plaque psoriasis was, but I sure don't want it because these drug companies make me afraid of it. Um, so again, it, it's the fear component. Um, going back to, to which way they lean too, if you look at, at Fox News, I think they've even gone a little soft. So they, they used to lean right. Um, they did fair and balanced. I could come a little left. I mean, they were the first one to throw Arizona into, into Biden's uh, electoral vote count. Um, and, and they refused to let go of that. ABC actually backed off of it. So are, are they still right? Are, are they being influenced? Uh, um, it just seems like the media keeps getting pushed left and left and left. And I think that's even crept over to Fox. I think we're going to uncover that in our next segment. We, when we start to dissect why and maybe start to structure how things could get a little better with this. But I, I will say I agree with you. I think 
they're, they're, whether they're right-leaning, they're left-leaning, they're center, they're straight up and honest, or, or they're, you know, or pretend to be, or they're, they're, you know, you know, a tabloid, they're all part of the same group, right? They're, they're all professional wrestlers that subscribe to the same, same group, which means they all kind of will have a tendency uh, to float one way or the other, depending. And I think to the end of the day, this has all gotten worse when we went away from a single newspaper in the morning and a five o'clock news. Uh, now that it's 24 hours, we have to invent things. We have to make things, uh, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, uh, appointment television, right? We have to drive people to the television. And hey, we saw it in that documentary with uh, Will Ferrell, Anchorman 2, right? <laughs> You know, you had to you had to go to the far reaches of salacious news in order to get people to watch when you're on 24 hours a day versus the serious news when it was 25 minutes at the end of the workday. All right. Segment number one is in the books. Let's make it better podcast. When we get uh, get through this break, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about maybe why things got the way they did, how we can maybe make them a little bit better. And what is journalism anyway? We'll see you in a couple. Make it better podcast. Let's make a better podcast. Segment number two. Mark Alewine Music. MarkAlewineMusic.com. You can purchase Mark Alewine Music, not just for your own listening enjoyment, but you can purchase it to use like we're using it, right? You can use this in your own production, in your own, uh, you know, your own, what? You would use your own advertising? What would you use Mark Alewine Music for? Why, why does he sell it? Who'd buy it? And how does that work, Bob? Yeah, you can use it for background music in any production you're doing, whether it be a movie, a television show. You can use it for your podcast. Um, you could buy the whole song, re-record it as your own, and sell it as long as you have the right license agreement with Mark Allen. Wow. So it's like drop shipping music. Uh, it's basically like, you know, those uh, Facebook ads where you're buying a pet bed or, uh, or a, a new kind of uh, bread roller from China, it's, it's, a, it's a drop ship thing where somebody has packaged it up from some warehouse in China and resold it, except this isn't from China. This is from a very nice gentleman here who's uh, making great, inspiring music, markanalinemusic.com. You can buy it, you can use it, or you can just listen to it like we've been doing and enjoy it. All right, well, welcome back. Let's make a better podcast. Segment number two, I had compiled because I was wondering, am I thinking about journalism wrong? Because, uh, you know, teachers are now called educators. Remember when that happened? I, I don't know when that happened. Uh, we used to call them reporters. In, in Europe, they refer to them, I think, as newsreaders, which I actually like a little bit better. I think I like that a little bit better. Tell me, tell me if you, you agree or disagree here, and then I'll get to these definitions. But newsreader, I like a little bit better because uh, it, it doesn't diminish the person who's reading the, reading the news. Uh, but what it does do is puts them at, at an even playing ground with what they're doing, right? They're a news reader. Their job is to bring you the news. It's not their job to be the news or to be why you tuned in. Their job is to actually read the news to you. And there's skill in that, but it doesn't, I, I like news reader for some reason. It just to me sets them as, as kind of equal to the task that they're at, right? Like firefighter, right? <laughs> Here's what I do. I, I just, I like that a lot better. 
I agree. I like newsreader, but whose news are they reading? That's the part that bothers me. Where Where is the script coming from that they're reading? What's behind that? Well, so I have three different um, definitions of, of journalism and of reporting. Now, one of them, I just found a random uh, paper that was written by a, uh, I think he's a principal for a school system, and I'm not going to credit him because I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I will quote it. Uh, and he, he hits on a couple of points where he defines um, the difference between journalism and reporting and the, and the breakdown of what journalism is. Let me just briefly paraphrase a couple of, a couple of the, these items. Uh, so first of all, he says that people who write journalism are called journalists, okay? And they might work at a newspaper, a magazine, a website, or for a TV or a radio station. Now, right off the bat there, uh, I have to start breaking this down because I believe uh, one of our number one problems we have in quote-unquote journalism is the proliferation of Twitter as a dissemination source, right? Newspapers, websites, te te technically website is at Twitter, but Twitter is what, 160 characters at best. It's disjointed, it's scatter. Uh, it's mostly surrounded by a lot of baseless crap. Um, uh, I don't consider that journalism, number one. Uh, the most important characteristic shared by good journalists is curiosity. Good journalists love to read and want to find out as much as they can about the world around them. So I like this definition because to me, this was like it was written for a, for a fifth grader and uh, I needed that. And I think it's simpler is better in this case. So journalism is made of uh, several different forms. First and foremost is this idea of news. Okay, so news is, is, break, is broken down into breaking news. So that's things that are being told about an event as it happens. Uh, then there's feature stories, which is a detailed look at something interesting that, that is not necessarily breaking. And then finally, these large enterprise or investigative stories. These are stories that uncover information uh, that few people knew uh, before it was actually uncovered by the journalists. The other part besides news then is this idea of opinion. That's editorials, that's columns, that's reviews, like concert reviews, et cetera. Now, the last thing I'll say on this before I ask for your, your take on this definition, it says there's three ways in which a, a journalist does his reporting or her reporting. Uh, first and foremost is interviewing, talking with people. Second is observation, watching and listening. And then finally, documents, reading stories, reports, public records, and other printed material. So how does this do and how does this jibe what you might think of when, you, when somebody describes journalism? Like how it's, how it's been broken up. I mean, some of it is very factual. Do your research, get more information, and report on that. Um, you mentioned editorials and opinion pieces. The problem that I'm seeing is that those editorials and opinion pieces have crept into what is called news. Um, and, and for whatever reason, the audience isn't able to disseminate that and say, oh, this is somebody's opinion. Um, so they take that opinion as fact. There's a huge blow up recently in a Facebook group. Um, it, it's actually a, a, a band, a, a music group um, that was uh, blasting the current state of affairs. And somebody was talking about the, the most recent uh, tax cuts that were put in place and how they'll actually end up hurting us down the road. And they were quoting from an article in one of the New York publications, I don't know, it's the Post or whatever, but it was an opinion piece. It said at the top of the article, opinion, but this person was stating it as fact. How that is being allowed to crept, 
creeped into the news, I don't know, but we, we need to be able to look at our source and say, is this fact, is this opinion, or else we're going to continue to have these fights back and forth. Um, and I'm not saying left and right, I'm saying person to person. Um, it's like uh, we're not allowed to develop our own opinions anymore. The media tells us what we have to believe. Um, and if we don't believe that, we're, we're wrong. It's like, well, no, everything is opinion-based. Um, we have to talk about our opinions and, and it, you know, at some point maybe we do agree to disagree. I, I hate that quote, but I think that's, that's where we're not getting to now. It, it, if you don't have my opinion, you're wrong. Um, so, you know, going back to the original point, we have to remove that opinion from the news, from the media. Um, if we do post something or, or write something that is opinion, we have to clearly say, this is opinion, this is not fact. And I'll, I'll double down with exactly, you know, following your train of thought there and saying that this is why having one newspaper a day, having one or two TV broadcasts a day of news was actually more informative than having point in time up to the minute information because there was a funnel, you know, there was only a half an hour in that news broadcast. There was only 27 pages in the newspaper. You had to funnel down the most important and most trustworthy information so, so that that stuff got on the page or got on the screen and all of the other stuff that couldn't be proven or wasn't ready yet had not been proved yet. Wasn't going to make that list. Well, now the funnel has a big end on one end and a big end on the other end. We're just right. dumping stuff right down that funnel. It's just a big pipe. And what's worse is we've expanded it to not just a 500 page newspaper and a, you know, a, a four or 24 hour uh, news program, but now we've included Twitter and we've, we've included whispering and yelling and screaming and social media. And the, the, the dissemination of information is, is now rife with opinion, with hearsay, with conjecture, speculation, uh, it, it is no longer information, so it cannot therefore be news. Hey, well, let me you, take it. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, yeah, follow you on. You mentioned Twitter. There's also Facebook, and Facebook has their fact checkers now. Has anyone looked to see who these fact checkers are? Because it seems like they're basing a lot of their facts on opinion. So this this article may be leading, misleading because I have this opinion about this article. Yeah, if, I mean, Facebook and Twitter are companies. These are the, that's what I think is so crazy to me is that journalists used to talk about how they need to, uh, you know, speak truth to power, right? They were, they were, uh, uh, they are the first amendment. That's to whom they answer. The, uh, the, the use of Facebook, the use of Twitter as their mechanism to put information out and then to allow themselves to be subjugated to Twitter and Facebook as the arbiter of what is real and what is fact seems to run counter to that. I mean, they're allowing a corporation, they're allowing whomever in the ivory tower of those two businesses to vet information, their information, their news, and that should bother them. I mean, that really should bother them, but it doesn't seem to. Maybe because the way that that information is being filtered currently follows their train of thought or their political leanings. But that doesn't mean that's always going to be the case. And that's really bothersome to me. I'm going to pivot to, to, to the next definition, which is now from the American Press Institute. And uh, that institute, just very briefly, is it's, it, it advances and, and 
innovative and sustainable news industry by helping publishers understand and engage audiences, grow revenue, improve public, public service journalism, and succeed at, at, at organizational change. So this is sort of like a, uh, um, a consulting company uh, for, for newspapers and for media. Now, I will tell you, there's some keywords inside that, own, that definition that I don't like, right? Grow revenue, improve public service journalism. That's hyphenated, public service journalism. I'm not even sure what that is. And succeed at organizational change. Now, again, this is a private group. This isn't a governmental group. But it's, it seems to speak to the idea that there's a little bit of organization going on here across uh, journalistic bands, right? We're, we're trying to make change. We're trying to actually come about and not just gather information, but have that information tailored in such a way to exact change. Public service journalism can be described by no other way. And so their definition of journalism is that it is the activity of gathering, assessing, creating, and presenting news and information separately, news and information. It is also the product of these activities. So journalism can be distinguished from other activities and products by certain identifiable characteristics and practices. These elements not only separate journalism from other forms of communication, they are what makes it indispensable to the democratic society. History reveals that the more democratic a society, the more news and information it tends to have. So I wanna go back to two sentences. Journalism is the activity of gathering, assessing, creating, and presenting news and information. It is also the product of these activities. So it's basically saying that it's a verb and it's a noun, right? It's, it's both the, the work of going and getting all of this information and presenting it, as well as it itself is built out of the information that it gathers. Um, that is a weird definition of journalism. <laughs> what, what, what do you take from this other than it's a lot of gobbledygook? Um, I, when, when you, were, you were reading that, I was thinking, this is the propaganda machine. This is public opinion. You know, let's, let's cater the news to feed that. Um, let, let's keep that snowballing and make it bigger and bigger and uh, you know, a thing that it doesn't need to be um, to pacify the public. Um, and I, I think that the public wants that, uh, you know, I keep going back to this word, but that fear component, it's like, okay, you have a, a thing that you're talking about and I, I want to be afraid of it. So make sure you build it up. So I'm really afraid of it. Yeah, I, it is, um, for, for me, it, it is, it is subversive in such a way that there is this overarching control of how journalism happens versus what I think most people would think is something really simplistic, right? I mean, journalism generally, I would think most people would think of pretty simply. It is, it is really just, well, it's just that. It is, it is the act of reporting. It's the act of finding out what happened and telling people about it uh, and then not really digging more deeply. But see, did we fall into our own trap though? So we started this out tonight by saying that there's protests all over the city within, within which we live. And we're frustrated because none of the journalists are telling us why they're protesting. They're just telling us that it's happening. Well, if they were gonna tell us why, uh, would they be taking the step beyond fact-checking? I mean, would, how, given, given the definition that I read first for the fifth grader, uh, if I go back and I read that again, reporting is interviewing, talking with people who know something about the story you're reporting, observation, watching and listening where news is taking place. So with those two items, 
really, what should we have heard when we read the news stories about the protests, that there were protests happening? Or was there a need to do interviews and have observations to come to a conclusion? And how can that conclusion be actually pushed forward without it being biased? Well, I think there was a need for an interview there, and I don't recall getting that at all in the news stories. Um, you know, they talked about the sign that the people were carrying, um, but they didn't actually go up to someone and say, hey, why are you out here? Um, and maybe they did, and it didn't fit the narrative, so they just kind of left that part out. But wouldn't that be a good question to ask? Find the leader of the protest and say, hey, what's going on? Why are you here? Then, then let that be the fact. That person states why they're there. Let it go after that. Don't make any assumptions. Don't develop your own opinion. Don't cram something down my throat about how bad things are. Um, just give me the fact of what that person said. I will develop my own opinion. So I think part of the answer here too is in the next definition. This is from universalclass.com. This is an educational, looks like it's sort of an online uh, writing class, right? I'm just kind of picking and choosing from, from journalism definitions. But it says, what is journalism? Journalism is the act of writing about news-related subjects for all mediums, print and non-print. It is also the complicated process of taking information and sifting through it, editing information and giving it context. The journalist is always involved in the selection and presentation of what he or she considers to be noteworthy and in meeting the standard of truth and honesty in reporting. Journalism incorporates everything from hard news of politics and public affairs to the softer side, which includes human interest and celebrity stories. Now, I think the key to that is it is also the complicated process of taking information, sifting through it, editing information, and giving it context. That requires time. And my point, again, is if, if we're going to have information seen in one moment and posted to a million people in the next moment, you're not doing your job. You know, the ability for them to actually compart, to, to combine, understand, and properly document why people are protesting tonight is not something that person could do in the time it took to take a picture, write 260 or 160 characters about it and post it. That, that had to take more work than that. And to me then, I just, if that's my definition, and I like that sentence, then what, what we saw tonight is not journalism. It's just somebody taking a picture and a caption. Do you remember film at 11? Yes, right. They, you'd be watching the six o'clock or well, the seven o'clock news. If you're on the East coast, they'd say film at 11 because they didn't have all the information available. So they let you know something was going on, but they also said later in our other newscasts, we'll talk about it more because then maybe we'll know what's going on. And I think we lack that right now. I, I think it's, you know, your, your five o'clock news, your five thirty news, your six o'clock news, your 10 o'clock news nine o'clock if you have Fox, um, they're all, they, they, they want to get you all the information they have right now. And it, it's basically a, a vomit of, of facts and opinion that are, are being just splattered across your TV. Um, is, is that good reporting? Is it, you know, do you have all the facts at that point? Maybe take a step back, give what you know now, don't assume anything, and then let's get the real story at 10 or 11. Yeah, I, I, I really think I'm, I'm, I'm perhaps I'm, I'm, I'm making this my conclusion instead of actually arriving at it. But I, I really believe that it's a rush. We're in a hurry. 
we have so much content. It's a combination. It's a combination of being in a hurry. And it's also then combined with the idea that so much content has to be produced that they're just not doing the, as it was said here again by universal class, it's the complicated process of taking information, sifting through it, editing information, and giving it context. That's really important. In other words, I'm okay with a reporter or a journalist digging through all the facts and coming to a conclusion. I want to hear why they're protesting. But at the, at the same time, I have an expectation that, they, that this is a skill, that this is a job that takes effort, that isn't just taking a picture and, and denoting exactly what's happening in that second, but rather taking the time to have a complicated process of taking information, sifting through it, editing information, and giving it context. That to me would be, we would get a much better product and I'm fully willing to wait 24 hours to get that proper answer than whatever we're dealing with right now, which is just, that's damaging, quite frankly. And it's probably why everybody hates everybody right now is because <laughs> there's there, at any given point in time, uh, you can find a reason to hate somebody uh, in the news media. I absolutely agree with you. Yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy. It is pretty crazy. All right. Well, that is segment number two in the books. When we come back, we'll try to lighten things up here a little bit. But you know what? They're kind of giving us a world not to, to make a light. They're trying to keep everything awful dark. And so as a result of that, I guess it's our job to find the light. So coming up next, we're going to go and find a bit of a lighter topic. Moving on into segment number three, let's make it better podcast. We'll see you in a couple of minutes. Let's make it better. Podcast segment number last, segment number three. Welcome back. After the break, we are talking about news. We're talking about media. We're talking about what's wrong with it. I don't know. I think we concluded in the uh, in the last break that the uh, the problem we have is there's way too much of it. It's way too haphazard, and uh, well, it's 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 just it's just not doing its purpose right now, right? It, it's really not, and uh, we're, we're missing some marks somewhere, and, and this is what's uh, really frustrating me right now. We have 27,000 people, 27,000 people on, on the Twitter talking about this, and it, it's not getting the news coverage that it deserves. Joe Biden, who may very well be our next president, said he will leave, lead an effective strategy to mobilize trunalimin manure pressure. <laughs> How come nobody is talking about trunalimin manure pressure? How is that not a thing? I, is this what I'm supposed to be afraid of now? Why, yeah. why are we mobilizing this? Why, I know, and there's, there's not nearly enough vowels in that. That sounded like a lot of consonants. Uh, I can't even make a word out of that. I, it's, I'm really scared of things that I can't make words out of. Yeah, well, I, I, it's a new word. It's a new word. It's trunal minimum pressure. And frankly, if Trump loses, I'm okay with that because Joe Biden has a strategy to mobilize trunal minimum pressure. 
Well, you know, here's the thing. Where, I think, where's the uh, coverage? Where's the I, coverage? I think if if you were to ask, uh, you know, Mr. Trump, he would tell you that, uh, you know, he has a plan and it's it, it's excellent. It's the best plan for Truman Major, and uh, he has actually a much better version of it. You can ask folks. It's 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 fantastic. It's excellent. It's it's wonderful. It's brilliant. You're gonna love it. That's that's what you're that's what you're gonna get if you talk to, to Mr. Trump. I have no Trump impression, sorry, I can't do one. Look, look, I've already mobilized against Trumillionaire uh, Pichur. We already have people in place. We have the best people. We have great people who are going to stop and defeat Trumillionaire Pichur and the economy is going to be great as a result. So we've established you can do two impressions. You can do the Donald Trump and then you can do any other ethnicity as long as they sound like a Northern Minnesota uh, Oli or Lina. That's, that's right. I, that's right. I have a great French impression. It goes something like, oh, yeah, you know, <laughs> like the thing, the true many of the brochure. Nobody wants that. It's no good. I seem to um, recall that was also your, your uh, Asian. And, that was uh, my Asian, yes. Yep. And to be honest with you, it's probably less offensive if you just roll with that. So uh, that, just keep using mean. that impression. Uh, no more, uh, <laughs> no more um, uh, what, what do we call it, cultural cultural, uh, what do you call it? Not cultural indoctrination. What do they call that? Cultural uh, appropriation. Side. No more cultural Appro- appropriation. Yes. Yeah, yes. No more we cultural will. appropriation. That's not what Let's Make It Better is about. We do not no. do that. We don't do it that thing. It is not. It is not. All right. Well, you know what? I have, uh, I have a little something for us to kind of chew on here as we go through what I think most of us understand what something is based on the movies we've seen about it, right? So if if uh, you think about uh, a firefighter, you think about backdraft, right? So a lot of people think, if you think about uh, uh, naval aircraft pilot, you know, name the movie. Let's do that. Top name gun. the movie. Top, yeah, gun. Top, top Gun. Exactly. If you, if you think about uh, baseball, right? Name the movie. You'd probably think about uh, baseball. Who would be? Field of uh, Dreams. Field of Dreams. There you go. You could name that one. You could name Bull Durham. I'd have accepted any of those. If you think about uh, being a New York cop, right? Being a New York cop, what 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 movie or TV shows might you think of? You think about being a New York cop? Uh, what was the one? That blues in the name. What's I can't think of it. Um, yeah, like Hill Street Blues, right? Although I think that might have been. Yep. Was that New York? It's probably New York. I but don't regardless, know who that was. I don't yeah, know. I mean it's fill in the blank, right? Or or Chips, California Highway Patrol, right? Well, that's not New York. No, I know, I know, I know, I know. I got it. I got. It. I'm just. I'm throwing out more examples. We tend to. I don't know. We try to define these things based on, uh, don't we? I mean, we need to define them based on the movies, right? We see. Should, should there be a Chips and Beverly Hills Cop crossover? Should, uh, I, same area. I, same area. It could be. I mean, we're motorcycle cops, and then uh, what? What was it? It was Eddie Murphy. Uh, was Eddie he a Murphy. cop or was he an ex-con in Beverly Hills Cop? He was a cop, right? Yeah, he, he was, was, uh, he was Axel yeah. Foley, right? Was that his mm-hmm. name, Axel Foley? Was because I'm actually nope. confusing with uh, trading, not trading places, but what was the one with Nick Nolte when uh, he was? Uh, oh boy, I'm losing that one now. But yeah, you're right. Beverly Hills Cop and Chips. That would be, that might be more than my brain could handle at this let's point. Make there it wasn't Chips. Let's make it happen. Wasn't there a Chips remake a couple of years ago? Uh, uh, there was a movie. I think they turned it into a comedy. Didn't have Owen Wilson in it. Oh, that's never a good sign. When it was supposed to be a drama at first, and it becomes a comedy, that's never a good sign. Yeah. Well, wow. I have, uh, wow. I have, I have concluded that uh, you know one way that we can judge what journalists are supposed to be is the is the movies we make about them. So I found on um, uh, Pointer.com, P-O-Y-N-T-E-R, and that is a uh, 
that's a website that is about journalism. So they should know something about this because we're going to go through the 25 uh, best movies about journalism uh, that Pointer uh, uh, produced. And Pointer is founded in 1975. It's an inspirational place, but also a practical one, connecting the varied crafts of journalism to its higher mission and purpose. Once again, not defining what I would call journalism, right? It's higher mission and its purpose. It's really got a very simple purpose. And unfortunately, we've clouded it in a lot of this other stuff. So uh, let's take a look. So top 25 movies. They're not, I don't think I saw all of these. I'm wondering if you've seen some of them that you can comment on. The number 25 is almost famous, 2000. I think that's, is that Cameron Crowe? Is that, uh, yeah, Cameron Crowe is the director of Almost Famous. Did you see Almost Famous? I did not see Almost Famous. I don't even know what Almost Famous is. It, it's one of those that I have a lot of what I call sick movies. Um, not that the movie is sick, but one of these days I'm going to be sick enough in bed and maybe with coronavirus, uh, this will be a possibility that I'll actually start watching some of these. Of course, this will fall off Netflix at that point before I'll be able to watch it, I suppose. Um, it's one of those deals where I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finally get around to watching Almost Famous because I, I do hear it's supposed to be very, very good. Teenager William Miller tricks Rolling Stone into believing he's a veteran rock writer, thus the journalistic theme. And after some advice from legend legendary music writer Lester Bangs, he hits the road with the band Stillwater and a groupie, uh, sorry, I mean Band-Aid, uh, named Penny Lane and his career is born, loosely based on the experience of writer and director Cameron Crowe. So it's sort of autobiographical in that case. Uh, number 24 from 1974 was something called The Parallax View. Any chance you saw that one? Nope. Me neither. Two years before he directed All the President's Men, Alan J. Pakula released this thriller about a reporter played by Warren Beatty investigating a secret organization that organizes uh, or that uh, specializes in political assassination. And somehow this movie has gotten better with time. I did not see the parallax view and I've only seen a couple of Warren Beatty movies. Uh, I think, wasn't he in like, uh, Oh God, no, maybe, maybe he wasn't. No, heaven can wait. That's what I'm thinking of. Heaven can wait is what uh, Warren Beatty was in. Maybe something better. Somebody's listening to this and yelling at their, at their iPhone right now because I've, no memory of any other movies that Warren Beatty was wasn't, in. Wasn't he in that Roger Rabbit movie? So I was thinking he was in something like that. Exactly. Um, but uh, I wasn't going to commit to it. Do you think he was? I will commit to it. All right. Uh, number 23 from 2008, another movie that is on my sick list, uh, Frost Nixon. Did you see this one? Nope. This is the fictional look back at the interviews British journalist David Frost did with disgraced former President Richard Nixon after Watergate. Frost's final session with Nixon is a masterclass in interviewing. So if we ever get guests on this show, we're going to have to first watch uh, Frost uh, Nixon because it is a masterclass apparently in, in interviewing. And I'm sure I would not be able to do anything other than remedial class if I were to interview for this podcast. Uh, 2014 and number 22 is Kill the Messenger. Did you ever see that one with Jeremy oh. Renner? Uh, so this is re relatively new. Jeremy Renner, that's uh, the guy from one of those Marvel movies, right? Did he play one of the Jason Bourne movies? He was a Bourne, yeah. yeah. Based on a true story, it's the film about uh, the late San Jose Mercury News reporter Gary Webb and his series around CIA involvement in the Contra co cocaine trafficking. And it sounds depressing. Yeah, he also uh, has a career in music. Jeremy, Jeremy Renner? Renner. Yeah, really? he's, got, he's got a couple of actually pretty good songs. They, they kind of border on uh, a little rock pop-ish vibe. 
um, I would check it out. All right, I'll, I'll Google that after, after a bit. Uh, number 21 in 2007 was the movie Zodiac about the Zodiac Killer. Did you see that one? Nope. No, nope, me neither. I'm, I'm coming up short here on a lot of these. And this one, I, I think I may have heard of, but I think I'm confusing it with the uh, Spike Lee uh, uh, movie that was uh, set at the same time as the Zodiac Killer. Uh, I'll think I'll skip over the descriptions of this one. If you're interested in the Zodiac, you can read it yourself. Number 20. Uh, it was from 1983, uh, a movie called Under Fire. I can see that it, it that uh, looks like Nick Nolte, Gene Hackman, and uh, Joanna Cassidy. Did you see that one? This sounds exactly like a movie that I did not see. But, you know, if you, if you Google right now Under Fire 1983 and the movie poster, it looks like every VHS tape that you saw at the rental store in 1992 that you could have picked up on the dollar rack for the weekend. Uh, it, it has that look about it that you had no intention of ever actually renting that movie. Uh, set during the last days of the Nicaraguan revolution in the late 1970s, this film is based on the murder of ABC reporter Bill Stewart and his translator in 1979. It's an all-star cast featuring great performances from Nick Nolte and Gene Hackman. I like Gene Hackman. I'd probably watch that. Uh, number 19 is Salvador, 1986 movie. There was a time when actors James Wood and Jim Belushi and director Oliver Stone were really good. Uh, they all came together for this Better Than You Think film, which focuses on hard drinking and drug using photojournalists played by Woods. That sounds pretty good. Salvador, um, you know, Oliver Stone, I don't know, whatever. He makes big movies. Uh, good or not, I don't know. It depends. Nope. Jim Belushi, though, sounds like it might be pretty good. Uh, this is one I have definitely seen part of and uh, certainly heard of. His Girl Friday from 1940. Uh, briefly considered putting the Philadelphia story in this spot, but went with this screwball comedy starring Gary, Cary Grant as a newspaper editor and Rosalind Russell as his ace reporter. This is one that I know I've seen part of on uh, you know Turner Classic movies or something like that. Have you seen any of these so far? I've kind of moved forward. I had a theme feeling yeah. that maybe you hadn't seen you know, these yet. Just keep going. I'll jump in if I've, I've, I've seen one. 17 Live from Baghdad. Uh, this is from 2002. Uh, live from Baghdad, two thumbs up from Cisco and Roper. Um, so this was obviously after Ebert was gone. Um, Michael Keaton and Helena Bonham Carter. Helena Bonham Carter is an interesting uh, looking person. She has a very square face and she always plays very interesting roles. Uh, made for TV HBO movie. Oh, that explains it. I, I Sorry, I don't I just can't bring myself to pay for HBO. Uh, it shows the pivotal moment in CNN history when the network was in Iraq for the, is it Iraq or Iraq? What's the right way of saying it? I'm from Minnesota. We say Italian, so I'm going to say Iraq. For the start of the Iraq. Persian Gulf War in 1991, it shows the power of, it showed the power of a 24-hour news network. Um, you know, it's interesting. There is a, um, Oh, Robert Redford and uh, who's the blonde actress? Um, oh, she played Catwoman in uh, one of the first Batman. Michelle Pfeiffer. Michelle Pfeiffer. You know the movie I'm talking about? They, I do uh, know the movie you're up talking about. Is it up close, and per up close and Personal? Is that the right? Am I, am I thinking of the right title? I wonder if we're going to hit that one. No idea, but he dies. That's all I know. He does with his red shoestrings. Um, Here's the thing with that movie, though, that always bothered me is, again, we spent a lot of time in the last segment talking about the why. And that movie uh, really portended to have Redford teach, portended, is that the right word? Really tried to have uh, Robert Redford teach uh, Michelle Pfeiffer that, you know, 
ignore the facts and only talk about the why. Do you remember that? Um, and so there was, that was one of the things that bothered me a lot about that one is I thought there really was a surrender of journalism to just sort of uh, preaching in, in that movie. I, I didn't, I did not like that movie's message about what journalism is, but uh, other than that, it was a good movie and he does die with his red shoelaces. He does die. You know what? I think I said Dan rather earlier. I met Walter Cron Cronkite, the guy who yeah. just read the news, Walter Cronkite. Let me fix that now before I, yeah. I get all crazy with it. I so thought about that because the, about the least non-biased reporters, Dan rather, I think he was sort of, he had to sort of retire in shame during two elections ago when he put out a bunch of forged documentation trying to influence <laughs> the election. Correct. Yeah. Walter Cronkite. So yeah, uh, Walter is the opposite of what Robert Redford was saying in this up close and personal movie yeah absolutely all right state of play in uh, 2009 that looks like russell crowe and it is uh he plays a journalist who looks into the suspicious death of a congressman's lover uh, nope um oh wow but the cast russell crowe ben affleck rachel mcadams helen Miram, uh jason bateman robin wright and jeff daniels and i've never heard of this movie uh state of play 2009 wow never heard of it uh but uh, quite a cast um, what, num what number are we on we are on 16 and i think we should probably jump ahead here what do you think jump let's ahead. jump ahead up, yeah. we're going up we're going all the way up to 10 we're going to go fast through 10 through through one yeah. uh citizen kane 1941 is number 10 uh i have seen that one uh, i assume you have not correct the Killing Fields, 1984, highly acclaimed movie. The Fall of Cambodia is the backdrop in a movie that can be hard to watch even once, uh, but it's the true story of the New York Times, Sidney Shanberg and his friendship with the Cambodian colleague, Dith Pran. This is a movie that should be seen at least once. Yeah, Killing Fields, that's a, uh, that's a good, that is a good book, as I recall, uh, and a good movie. Uh, 1979 gave us The China Syndrome with Jane Fonda. Uh, so that is a movie that uh, certainly was controversial at the time. Uh, the uh, the, the uh, movie about a nuclear power plant disaster referenced leak that could impact the size of uh, could pack could impact the size of Pennsylvania. That's a very poorly written sentence. I think they mean it could pack an area the size of Pennsylvania. Uh, and then of course there's there's a cover up and there's all kinds of bad stuff. Jane Fonda, Michael Douglas, Wilfred Brimley, the oatmeal guy, and of course Jack Lemmon. In that one, in uh, in the China Syndrome, 1979, uh, the paper in 1994 didn't see it. Uh, they refer to this as the most underrated film. It's got uh, Michael Keaton in it. He's been in a lot of underrated movies. Uh, yes. 2003 gave a Shattered Glass at number six. This is interesting because if I say the name and don't Google it, Hayden Christensen, um, would you know who I was talking about? Yeah, that's exactly right. I would not have known that because that's how much I didn't like the prequels. Okay, Anakin um, Skywalker, who became Darth Vader. No, but I'll I'll take that. I think that's you know his alter his his la his latter ego, not alter ego. Uh, so apparently this is supposed to be a pretty good movie, but for me, uh, it is uh, it's about Stephen Glass and the New York Times and a lot of perjury and plagiarism that happened back in those days. Actually, not perjury and plagiarism, a bunch of made up stories, uh, frankly. Uh, well, like today. Is what yeah, you're saying. Like, uh, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. But yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's if you like Danikin Skywalker, that's Hayden Christensen, and he was in that movie. Uh, 1981 gave us uh, Paul Newman, An Absence of Malice, another movie I've seen. Have you seen that one? I did. I don't remember it, but I did see it. 
Yeah, good movie. Uh, and, and I agree with this first sentence, the most journalistic movie title ever. Uh, I agree with that. Um, it's a good movie. Also has Wilfred Brimley in, Brimley in it. Uh, Sally Field is in it as well as a young, uh, you know, energetic reporter. That's worth watching. Uh, now we're getting into some of these that are somewhat caricatures. Number four, Network from 1976. Uh, if, if you, if, have you heard of Network? Do you know Network? No, I don't know Network. Uh, I bet you do if I gave you this line. I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Have you heard that quoted over and over and over again? That, uh, I have. I that have. comes from Network. Uh, and that deal. is Howard Beale's legendary I'm as mad as hell speech uh, comes out of Network. Number three, Spotlight, uh, another Michael Keaton uh, vehicle. Uh, true story of the Boston Globe's investigation into sexual abuse in the Catholic Church. It's the, this generation's All the President's Men. Uh, broadcast news in 1987 with Holly Hunter. Uh, that also uh, hits closer to real life network TV than you might realize. Her character, Jane, who is loosely based on the CBS News president, Susan Zorinsky, is one of the richest <clears throat> characters ever written for the screen. Uh, while William Hurt, who by the way, um, William Hurt should shut up. Have you <laughs> seen him in the news lately? I have not. Um, first of all, he's one of my least favorite actors. Uh, I really do not care uh, for William Hurt, with the exception of when he played a ridiculous villain in uh, Cliffhanger with Sylvester Stallone, which is a ridiculous movie. Um, you know, he, and he's, he's equally re ridiculous in that movie. One of my least favorite actors, he's one of these guys where if he's in the movie, I don't watch it. Uh, but yeah, he has just been politically loud. Uh, and again, I don't really care what his politics are. I don't care who he's making fun of, you know, whoever I'm for, you can make fun of the other guy and I'd still not like you, uh, go away. Uh, he's very noisy. I think he's written some poetry. In fact, I think that's Ooh. what he's out. He's out shilling right now about, uh, uh, about the person he doesn't like in politics. Uh, and again, I don't care. You're, you're a celebrity. Just, just go sit on your millions and, and be quiet. Uh, all the president's man, of course, is number one, Dustin Hoffman, Robert Redford. Um, don't like this movie. Sorry. Just don't. Um, they refer to it as nail biting, even though you already know the ending. It's the gold standard. <laughs> I, uh, I'm exhausted. Don't watch it. Don't like it. Bored me to tears. Did you watch that one? I did. Yeah, I did see that one. Did they remake that movie? I'm not sure. I, I thought they, they may have remade that one, but yeah, I just, I don't know. It, it, it never really appealed to me. But anyway, there's your top 25 uh, movies by Pointer about journalism. And I will say, I looked at a couple of different versions of this list and uh, All the President's Men is typically uh, there at numero uno. Up Close and Personal, not on this list. Anchorman, not on this list. Um, anything else you can think of that's not on this list? Kentucky Fried Movie. Oh, uh, there you go. Is that a journalism movie? Really? I'm not sure. It has a newscast in it. Yeah, that's true. So does uh, Mars Attacks. Uh, I think. Uh, oh, good point. Yeah. I think we referenced Warren Beatty earlier. I think uh, wasn't he for a time with or married to uh, Annette Benning, who I think was the reporter in Mars Attacks. How about that for tying it all together? Wow. That, that's yeah. uh, if I can get to Kevin Bacon here in a few moments, I may have a uh, I may actually have a parlor game uh, in the making. We'll have to see. All right. You know what? How about we wrap this thing up? Uh, how, where do people contact us? What's our Twitter handle? What's all this information that you could provide to these people right now, Bob? Let's make a bet. B-E-T-T -T, number two on Twitter. Awesome. And what's that email address? Make it better notes at gmail.com. Make it That's better right. notes, N-O-T-E-S 
at gmail.com. Please, please, please email me, Twitter us about Trunalimiter We need to get on this. We need to be on top of it. It's the next thing we need to be afraid of. And I'd like to see the proper spelling of, uh, can you pronounce that one more time? Because I don't think I'll, I'm going to need to have it phonetically spelled for me uh, in order to pronounce it. I will put it, I will put it on our, on our Twitter. I will put All it right. on our Twitter feed. It'll be out there for everyone to see. Um, I think it's going to be our next trending topic on Twitter. I think 27,000 people are talking about it. All right. Well, I like it. I'm, I'm scared of it already. I'm hoping that uh, I can go out and get some sort of a, a narcotic or some other sort of drug that'll have side effects that are 10 times worse than trimalibinant for sure uh, that I can ask my doctor about. See if it's right for me. Uh, see if it's right for you. I'll ask my doctor and see if it's right for me. I hope it is because it's going gonna, it's gonna to solve all my problems. It's probably cool. going to give me an accelerated heart rate, bloody diarrhea itching, sneezing, you know, hard, make it hard to breathe, but I'll be rid of psoriasis might be a side effect. Black psoriasis. I might end up with gout. Um, I don't know, something else. Who knows? Whatever. Make it better. Let's make it better. We'll see you next week.